Welcome to Founders Field Notes, where you can learn from founders what it takes to be a founder. I'm Jason Kluge, founder and CEO of Klugonics Group and serial entrepreneur. On this week's episode, we had a chance to sit down with a client of ours, Nikki Day, founder and CEO of Island Co. They have a creative line of diaper bags, fanny packs, miniature diaper bags, and a very useful small vacuum cleaner for parents. On this episode, you get to hear a little bit about the transition from running a service-based franchise of kid gyms and mom gyms to starting a direct-to-consumer brand that targets the same customer. So there's a lot of takeaways and crossover that she learned while figuring out how to run her past business, but then also all the stuff she learned from that and how it is applied to starting a different type of business and making a complete pivot as an entrepreneur. So thanks for listening in and enjoy the episode. How long have we known each other now? Oh man, I was just thinking like, like five years here, or something I'm crazy. Like, you guys have been here a while, but like how long was I coming to the other office before yeah, that? Yeah. Like at least a year. Oh, more than that, I yeah. feel like. Let's see, it would have been 2018? Probably 2018. So like four years ago? That's when you started to... Do yeah. Isla? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, so then let's go way, way back. Hey, way, way back. So thinking about before you were an entrepreneur. It's a long time Before ago. Kid Gyms, right? <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Or did you have a day job before that? No, I, I mean, I worked like in call centers after we got married. I, I Way, way back, I worked in like rehab centers and like... Mm-hmm. Um, I went the psychology route, kind of figured out that wasn't what I wanted to do. And then after we got married, I just did like kind of things I could do on the side and call centers and stuff like that. That's good. And good experience, day, right? Yeah. Dealing with people. Yeah. Customer service. Not, I mean, <laughs> not my favorite. <laughs> Ang- angry people maybe. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'm that angry person. I always feel bad, but you know. Right? I'm like, I should know better because I deal with this and yeah. I know like, don't shoot the messenger. You did some gymborees, right? Was that what they I, were? It was called Fit for Mom. Fit yeah. for Mom. So That's right. It's okay. It's a fitness franchise. It's um, all over the U.S. And we had at the time the only one in Utah. And what it is, is it's basically... A fitness program where moms who have young kids in strollers can Mm -hmm. bring them. We incorporate them into the workout. We um, sing. The instructors blow bubbles. And so not only is are the moms like getting a really great workout, but the kids are socializing. The moms are socializing. It was kind of like the best hour of your day. Kind of get everything you need, and then you can go back home. So that's where it started with my entrepreneur life. So then did you see one in like another state and then like learn more about it and then figure out how to get a franchise or like how did you get exposed to this? So my friend actually was the one to open the franchise here. So she Mm -hmm. lived in California and she attended one there and she was like, this is so great. Every mom needs this. And so she moved back here and she opened it up and she ran it for a couple years, and then she was looking to sell. And I, at the time, had been a member. I was, mm-hmm. like, one of the first people to join. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, this is such a big part of my life. Like, why not make it an even bigger part of my life and start, you know, running a business with I can do with my kids? And Yeah. So that's kind of kind of where it's So she, she locked in the franchise. You join her as a partner. You open up one location to start. Yep. So she started, I bought her out and okay. then um, we went from one location to four locations. We 
had three in the Salt Lake Valley and then one in Utah County. So how chaotic was that to, you know, make sure the ones that are already running, running, and then finding a new location, opening another location at the same time? It had its fair share of challenges. Uh, Demographics, like areas that you think would do really well, really struggled, and Mm. areas that you didn't think well, like thrived. Um, But yeah, I mean, it... It was definitely different than product-based businesses. Like that was all relationship-driven and all service industry. Mm-hmm. And then when I jumped into product business, I was just like, well, this is really different. Yeah. <laughs> totally different strategy, totally different beast, lots to learn. Yeah. Then so when, when you have these kid gyms, how long would a customer be a customer? Is there like a certain age that the kid gets to where the mom doesn't want to come anymore? Yeah. So that was one thing that we had that, I mean, there was just such a community there that moms really didn't want to phase out. So the idea was that while you had kids in strollers, but we had moms there with like six, seven, eight-year-olds that would just come and like sit on a play mat or uh, bring their scooter. So it really was like just this community that like, people saw so much value in that they didn't really want to phase out. But yeah, I mean, typically um, customer lifespan was three to four years there. Okay. So you're, and then of course you're constantly getting new customers and looking for new customers. Yep, new moms, always trying to find the new moms, which in Utah, there's a lot of them. (laughs) So how are you like marketing for that? Because obviously it's very different how we market consumer product brands. So like Facebook groups or what was Um, it? A lot of it was word of mouth. So with Mm -hmm. that business in particular, it was just like, go tell your friends how awesome this is and Mm -hmm. bring them to a free class. But we did have to get creative. We did, um, we did lots of flyers in OB offices and in like the little welcome baggie that you get after you have a baby at the hospital. So we put some flyers and free cards in there. Uh, But yeah, I would say the main source was just word of mouth and really happy customers. Yeah. Word of mouth is definitely like the best organic way of marketing. But it's definitely very hard to do in the consumer spot product space. Oh, totally. Like, you know, yeah. And I mean, guess you are, was... you do have customers walk around with billboards on their shoulders, but. <laughs> yes, they walk around and everyone's like, where'd you get this bag? And yeah. it's funny, even sometimes I'll be walking around with it and people are like, I love this bag. Where'd you get it? And I'm like, I made it. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, here's our website. <laughs> That's awesome. You did that till. Like 2018, right? So no. how many years did you do? I guess it kept going when after you started, but when? So yeah. what was the time from when you started the the kid gyms and then and then because you eventually sold that off? Yep. So I I bought that Fit for Mom franchise in 2017, mm. and I sold it beginning of 2020. So oh wow, it was Bef- before the pandemic, like a month. Oh before. wow, you dodged it. A- it was really <laughs> fortunate for me. Like oh. obviously, I had no idea what was coming, but that industry in general took a really hard hit. Yeah, and for me at the time, I was just like, I can't run two businesses. Yeah, my kids have kind of outgrown this. Like it has a very special place in my heart, but I can't give it what it needs. And mm-hmm. I think the sale went through February of 2020, and it was wow. a That's month later that chaos. classes shut down and. Yeah. Yeah. Took a hard hit. It was it was hard to watch. And well, I'm sure it's like it's coming back now. Did some of the locations have yep. to shut down? Or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They downsized. I think, I mean, they had to go to all virtual classes and oh. 
It was a really big struggle. And even now, I know that they're finally back up. They've opened a Sugar House location and Sugar House Park in the summer is like a great place oh, yeah. for that. Okay. Um, and then they're back to their kind of normal routine out in the south end of the valley. Yeah. So I do think they had to shut down one of the locations. The Utah County one is no longer open, but... Yeah, obviously devastating for gyms, but I did notice that a lot of the gyms that had to like were forced to pivot in doing like online classes. It could oh, yeah. actually be something that once they did come back, they still they kept their membership yep. base, but then they also gave this flexibility option where it like I almost feel like it would cause customers to want to be a member for longer because yeah. they have the flexibility now. Well, I mean, if you didn't adapt as a business in 2020, like you didn't survive. Yeah. So like you had to get really creative mm-hmm. and I, especially with industries like that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you had to jump through hoops to, you know, keep your business alive. And I think a lot of gyms did a really great job at that. And even the Fit for Mom franchise, they still had their like mom's night outs and a lot of them were virtual and every mm. join in Zoom and we'd see all our friends. And I mean, 2020 was a weird, was crazy, weird time. But yeah. yeah. I can't, I remember all the Zoom cocktail hours that I <laughs> yeah. did and stuff. It's like, yeah, let's go sit even around on the camera and a drink Zoom a cocktail. Call, I get like PTSD <laughs> yeah. from 2020. <laughs> yeah. I'm always opposed to them these days. Like, but I mean, well, and you still I, gotta I homeschooled my kids for that year too. So mm. Not only was I like running a brand new startup, I was homeschooling four kids <laughs> yeah. at the same time. So it was a rough, it was a rough year. Well, we started meeting about Island Co. in 2018. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the development timeline and all that stuff. Towards the end of 2019, how many locations did you have while you were in the midst of going through manufacturing, onboarding, and all that stuff we were working on? Yeah, so we had four locations, sometimes five. It just depended on like how well that location was doing and mm-hmm. how frequently we had classes. Mm-hmm. But it was, I would say it was at its peak. And I mean, it was it was a lot of work, but it was a really enjoyable job. It was mm-hmm. something where I got to see my friends every day. Yeah, I got my like social f- cup filled. My kids loved it. Even to this day, we sometimes drive by the locations and my six-year-old's like, mom, why don't we go to stroller strides anymore? And <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you remember. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was a very busy time. I mean, it's just so different than how you had to pivot to start Island Co. But I think part of today's conversation would be interesting to find some of those crossovers of the things that you learned in that business model that still does transfer over to Island Co., even though they're very different business models. Because, you know, talking to all the different entrepreneurs, you have the product businesses, you have software businesses, you have physical Service. location, yep. services, and all that stuff. And it's it's always interesting to hear takeaways where there's comparables. Yeah. And yours, it's cool because when you came to us with this idea, which I'd love to like talk about what that original idea was. For me, when I see new businesses come and companies like pitch me or entrepreneurs pitch mm-hmm. me, you know, some of the, one of the things I always look into is like, well, what's your background? Yeah. You know, you have people like, oh, I'm an accountant. It's like, okay, this will be interesting, you know, or, um, you know, or, or maybe they're very technical minded and they want to get hands on to the, the development side, but maybe they don't have the marketing and stuff figured out, you know, and then you have people like Steven who, you know, his background is marketing. Marketing. He came to us for the hardware. So he was obviously able to very like excel because that side of the business he was covered he already, on. Yep. So when you came and you said, well, and you mentioned that you'd already done these franchises, I was like, okay, so you've been through the hardships of starting a business before. Mm-hmm. 
which is like challenging. Oh yeah. You know, and it takes like, it takes, um, like the drive, the, 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 you know, the willpower. It's not for the faint of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> so did the gyms inspire the bag idea? Like what, what made you realize one day running all these gyms that you're like, you know what, I want to start something <laughs> else on top of this. So, I mean, I do think they, they helped to inspire parts of it. I think when you have a community of moms, moms mm-hmm. talk and moms, you know, they see these cool things that other moms have mm-hmm. and they want it. And I noticed that with a lot of other products that just, you show them something and they're like, oh, I need to have that, especially if it adds convenience to their life. So the idea actually came though from when I was cleaning out my minivan, which sounds really funny. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, we just bought this new minivan. It's like your rite of passage into motherhood and our van came with this little built-in vacuum. And I remember when we bought the car, I'm like, ah, that's so extra. Like, I'll probably never use that. And yeah. then I ended up using it like every day. You say Brody loved that. Thing. Yeah, I was like <laughs> vacuuming out the stroller every time I put it back in the car, vacuuming out the car seats. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like the most I like user-friendly. It was yeah. big and bulky and you had to like get the tube and go up over the car. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I had this vacuum that I could take everywhere and like... I mean, if you're a parent, you know kids are messy and you know they're messy everywhere. So it's like, wouldn't it be cool if I could just like pull out this vacuum that didn't look like a vacuum and clean up their goldfish crumbs? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where the idea started. And then I just was like, yeah, that'd be cool, but I have no idea how to do that. So whatever. And I put it off in my brain for probably a year. And then having four kids in four years, I went through a lot of diaper bags and a lot of frustrations with my diaper bags. And I just kept thinking there's got to be something better, but I couldn't find it. And I was like, why don't I just make a diaper bag that works for me? And hey, remember that little vacuum idea? Why don't we have a diaper bag that has a vacuum in it? And yeah. so that was kind of the the light bulb moment. And yeah, I still sat on it for a while and was just like, I don't know anything about product development. Yeah. It's not my space. How did you find us again? I found you through my brother. That's right. So, yeah, my brother's a patent attorney, uh-huh. and I asked him if he had any recommendations, and he recommended you guys. So well, that's crazy. And I've golfed with him now aligned. randomly. Yep, yep. It was I was golfing with Tyler and and him, and found out like halfway through the round that he was your brother. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, like, oh. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm in patent work. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, what kind of stuff have you worked on? He's like, well, <laughs> I, you know, worked on Tyler's, you know, their cash pad and uh-huh. all that stuff. And then he's like, and then I work on my sister's company, Isla and Co. And, and I like, was like, oh, oh I'm, I, you, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then we started chatting and then I realized he recommended us yep. stuff. But that's great. Because, because you came to us with the idea of making a like the bag and the vacuum together. Yep. That was the initial idea is like some sort of like small thing that attached that mm-hmm. you could just like. With like a hose coming yeah. out of it. You and know. then after a lot of rounds of, um, of, uh, ideation, ideation, it yeah. was like, you know what? I think we see more value in having it separate. Cause then we can sell it as a separate skew and yeah. reach more people and people can store it in their cars. And I mean, I think that was like, and, and that's like a, a tough pivot to do in the middle of the develop, development process. But I mean, now, yeah, it's giving you the ability to diversify and, yeah. and hit people that don't want the vacuum yep. or some people might Much just want the audience. vacuum and not need a bag yep. or whatever. So you can hit them all. I feel like the vacuum is like anyone could use it. Like yeah. anyone who has pets. Oh yeah. We use kids, it. Anyone yeah. who, like in the office space, like 
And the funny part is like, we'll do some trade shows and people obviously are drawn to our bags and they're like, okay, but tell us about this water bottle you have. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, this water bottle is a vacuum. And you can see anyone who has kids just has this like light bulb go up and they're like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to, have you been to like ABC Kids and stuff yet or? No, we have done Pinners okay. and a couple other ones and we did really well. We just, our biggest struggle is keeping up with inventory. So yeah. this year we were supposed to go to Pinners and we didn't have enough You just sold bags. through them yep. so quick. So it's yeah, a good problem always, to have, but a hard problem to have. It's challenging to, I mean, it took me a few years to even figure that out with Durai. Yeah, it's, it's our biggest challenge by far. Yeah. So one of the things that I like now that I have a kid and, and, you know, we obviously use your bag and stuff and we've just kind of seen the market and now I understand the market. Mm-hmm. Now I, now I appreciate what we created together even more. Yeah. Right. So it's like the, the features and stuff like that. And I remember going through the development process. The thing I noticed is that whenever an entrepreneur comes to us with an idea you know, we hope that they bring some kind of like expertise of what mm-hmm. we're creating. So like the feedback is educated. It's yeah. not like they're just creating it for themselves. Yeah. And and that was one of the things I noticed as you were creating your bag is that you had a lot of knowledge of what moms needed because you're like, you know, your experience in the kid gyms. Yeah. The right? kid gyms and just, I mean, having four kids. I feel yeah. like a lot of times with entrepreneurs, the ideas come out of a place of necessity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're experiencing something that's a point of pain and you're like, how can I do this better? And when I was using my diaper bags, I was just like constantly frustrated. I wanted something that looked cute and like didn't scream diaper bag, but like yeah. I couldn't find anything that I found some cute ones, but they had no function. And yeah. I felt like I had to have one or the other. It was like, I have to have this frumpy organized bag or I can have this really cute stylish one that has no function at mm. all. So I think it came out of a place of necessity and seeing other moms struggle with that. I'm like, I promise there's a market for something like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The internal pocket layout, the the liner function, which is valuable because, yep. you know, to get the stuff out of the bottom of a bag is pretty much impossible without well, taking the liner out. To clean it. I mean, yeah. how many bags can you clean the inside of the bag, especially a diaper bag? Diaper bags get so messy. Like, you just have to like hose it out. Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, I feel like some bags I just had to throw away because I was yeah. to the point I'm like, mm, nope, this is never coming clean and I don't want to deal with it. So it's going in the garbage. <laughs> yeah. That being said, now you have diversified the SKUs does the vacuum still hold up in volume compared to the bags? You know, our bags are by far our top seller, which Mm. is funny because I remember when we came to you, you're like, I'm more interested in this vacuum idea. But at the time you didn't have kids yet. (laughs) But um, the vacuum I think has such a potential. We just, we haven't quite tapped into it yet. We've just been playing catch up with inventory and trying, I feel like we've been a little bit underwater with like keeping up with the growth. So mm-hmm. we've been focusing a lot on the bags just because they're, we've, we've figured out how to market for them mm-hmm. pretty well. The vacuums I think are just our little unicorn that is waiting to be tapped mm-hmm. into and we just haven't had the time and energy. Do you do but, like sales motivators with it? Like where you buy a bag and you like, is that a common tool you use on like Black Friday and whatnot? We do. Yep. We did a, we did a promo like that on Cyber Monday. Um, but yeah, I think it's just getting the word out there more like our marketing. It's hard to explain all the features that our bags have mm-hmm. in social, like social media ads. Yeah. Like you lose a customer if, customer if you go and list all the things that they have. So you kind of have to focus on like one or two things to really get their attention. And that's been a struggle with marketing is 
let me tell you how cool this bag is. You don't know how cool it is, but then it's like when you go on and on and on, it's like, well, this is overwhelming. But mm-hmm. we just need to kind of figure out how to tap into that space a little yeah. bit better. The thing about it is, is it's like, is it worth running ads or doing separate campaigns specifically for the vacuum or can you make it a focus of an extra feature of yeah. your bag system? Yeah, we've, you know? we've tried out both and both, yeah, they both have been good avenues. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think with the vacuum, like I said, the untapped audience, that's just different from what most people come to our website for. Most people are moms. Mm-hmm. And while moms see a huge value in this, I think there's just so many more people that could benefit from We had like someone from a, they had a, they were part of a Toyota 4Runner club and they're like, everybody needs this. So it's yeah. just like finding those little groups that like can spread the word for us and hey, you have pets or hey, you know, you, stuff like that that just, you got to kind of think outside of the box because there's so many uses for it. We were on um, HGTV for like one of the top um, new handheld vacuums. So Mm -hmm. like dorm rooms or like college students, stuff like that. Yeah, I remember when we went through the development, it was like just making it suck as hard as possible was like the biggest thing. Yeah, I'm like, it has to suck up a goldfish, a (laughs) full goldfish. That's the golden standard. (laughs) But the the thing is that Brody really wanted it to be quiet. But it was like, well, we can't can't make it suck hard and be quiet (laughs) at the same time. So, you know, sadly we had to... It's louder, but I mean, hey, it's a vacuum cleaner. It's a cleaner. vacuum. And you know <laughs> what? It draws attention and people are like, that's true. whoa, that's yeah. really cool. It's a b- so, billboard that yells at you. Yeah, you know? right? They're like, oh, look at you cleaning up after your yeah. kid at a restaurant. That's amazing. I need yeah. one of those. <laughs> I will say this too. It's like the um, being a car guy that and, and getting in someone's car if there's crumbs everywhere and stuff in the nooks and crannies of the seats, their car looks way dirtier. Mm-hmm. But if you suck all that stuff up, it dramatically like changes how clean it looks. Yeah, even if it's not that much more clean. Right, it's like, like who cares about all the stuff on the floor and the toys and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> but if you suck up all the stuff in the nooks and crannies, it completely changes how yeah, clean clean your car totally. looks. Totally. Well, and the fun part it is about it is like the kids love to use it. So like yeah. they'll clean up their own car seats. And I'm like, this is a win-win for everybody. Like you're mm-hmm. cleaning the car, you're having fun and you know you're making the messes and here you are cleaning up after yourself that being said you you know the first product to market was the big bag in the vacuum Mm -hmm. i guess that would have been what 2020 2021 you started to to branch into the other side so we made the mini which is a hot item yeah the minis are top selling item yeah um which is interesting because it's like basically a miniature version of the giant bag but it's it's so um it's it's just more versatile, such a I guess. Good looking bag. Yeah. Like I think it reaches a broader audience where if you want just a really cute purse or mm-hmm. it's just not so dialed into just a diaper bag, it kind of branches off from that. And it's really good for maybe moms who no longer need all the newborn essentials and don't mm-hmm. want to carry a big diaper bag around. They just want something smaller. Um, don't need as many diapers. So it's a really great option to kind of graduate to after you have your your big diaper bag. So it changes your, I'm sure that increased your customer lifetime value. Yes. So a yep. lot of return customers coming yep. by. A it. lot of return customers. We see a lot of people who buy one of them and in their review, they're like, I can't wait till I can buy this one next. And mm-hmm. then they move into the fanny pack and yeah. Yeah. And the fanny pack you did pretty much at the same time as the mini bag. Yeah, it was shortly after. I know we had the mini idea first, but I knew the fanny pack I wanted to follow up with right away. 
Yeah. So, but so if someone buys a bag, a mini bag, and a fanny pack and a vacuum, I mean, they're like a six hundred, seven hundred dollar customer about. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, that's that's massive lifetime value. Yep. And then uh, when we release new colors, and they want a new color. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that to match their you know different outfits and yep, whatnot. Yep. I mean, that's incredible. And then you've obviously have good taste on the color choices. <laughs> I'm a very big fan of neutral colors. So even mm-hmm. like our green, like I'm a big green fan, but it has to be a neutral green. And it was mm-hmm. really hard to find a green that I really liked. And I don't feel like you can, you don't see this color a lot of places, but you can put it on with any outfit and it looks good. So yeah, yeah all of our colors are very neutral, um, timeless. Yeah. So currently in today's business, what what is the biggest focus and challenges you're working through? I know it's oh. the part, partially inventory, but what else? Yeah, definitely inventory. But I think like, I mean, anyone who started a business in 2020 mm-hmm. will be able to relate. But like dealing with the high costs of freight and like at the time I had no idea. I'm just starting this business yeah. and I'm seeing the price tags on these containers that I'm importing and I'm like, how does anyone afford this? Like, yeah. no wonder so many businesses went out of business. And it was I'm just, chaos. it was like truly like unprecedented. Like, and I had no idea. I just, this is what I stepped into. Mm-hmm. And like looking back, I think I was paying like $27,000 for a oh, container yeah. that oh, first yeah. year. Yeah. And I think I just paid like 3000 for one. And it's crazy how quickly it came down. <laughs> right. I'm just yeah. like, well, no wonder. Like, if I can survive that first year, I'm pretty sure I can survive anything. Like, well, that's, that, it's actually, probably good timing because then you're building your business around those unit economics. Exactly. And then now that things are going back to normal. It's a little refreshing you when know, I can see yeah. our margins. You can you know, offer improve. better sale, yep. you know, stuff like that. So but at that point, I'm yeah. like, how do I even make money? Like it was just, yeah. that was a rough, like we literally launched October 2020 with our Kickstarter. And like mm-hmm. looking back, I'm just like, I had no idea what I was stepping into. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it it's like almost a blessing in disguise a little bit. Totally. Yeah. You know, so, and then what about team wise? You've hired more team members, you have customer service in-house, right? Yep. So at the beginning, I mean, I was doing it all and I look back on that and I'm like, I can't even imagine if I was still doing that, but it was really hard for me to delegate. Like, I think a lot of entrepreneurs are similar personality types where they like to have control over things and it's their baby. And I had a really hard time delegating and hiring things out because I was like, you know, I just want it done right. I don't know if I trust anybody. Mm -hmm. But once I kind of got over that, it was like game changing for the the business and the company. So yeah, we have a customer service manager and then we have a couple customer service girls I've got a virtual assistant that's, I always tell her she's basically like my unicorn. She kind of does everything. Mm -hmm. We've hired a marketing team. Um, So there's a lot of moving parts Mm -hmm. that go into it. And yeah, once you kind of hire out those things, you can focus on your strengths because those aren't my strengths. Like I can do customer service. I've done it before. It's not my strength and I don't enjoy it. No. And I'm like, if I really want this business to thrive, I need to focus on what I'm good at and put my time and energy into that and hire someone who's better at these other things. And that's Mm -hmm. really what, once I did that, I felt like we were able to go kind of to the next level. Yeah. I feel like an entrepreneur, when they start their business, they're like an octopus. Yeah. They're like, I can do it all. And so they have all these tentacles coming out and it's like Uh each tentacle is a specific skill set. 
and you realize that some tentacles are weaker than others yeah. and you have to figure out which tentacles you're going to cut yeah, off gotta first, cut it off. <laughs> you know, and, and that that's challenging. And I know like Sophia, who we talked to a, a couple weeks ago, s- similar thing, you yep. know, Kelsey had a hard time with that yep. with Durai. Um, but once you find someone you trust to fill a specific gap, you know, you it's lean into changing. them and you have to, you just have to trust them and let them fail too a yep. little bit. You totally. kind of have to like, Give them that grace, let them make mistakes. Yeah, Mm because to me, I'm like, I'd rather have you make an occasional mistake Mm -hmm. than me have to do it all. Like, that's okay. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, and then just come in and put out the fire when it happens and it's not a big deal. (laughs) It's like it is what it is. The show goes on. (laughs) Yeah. So what what do you see uh, upcoming for Isla Isla & Co.? Do you you have any future product ideas? Are you going to expand anything? I do. I have a lot of product ideas. And it's been hard because this last year, I feel like we've just been focusing on, you know, keeping up with the demand for what we have. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had a lot of room for that. Yeah. But I, I know that this year we want to kind of focus a little more on that. And then I do want to start exploring like the wholesale and retail space. Uh-huh. We've had some interest in the past, but we just weren't in a place to like be able to sustain that. We didn't have yeah. inventory. Well, and timing. Timing too. Yeah. and margins. Like there just were a lot of things working against us early on. So I think this year that will be something we explore. I've got... I've got a list of some stores I'd love to eventually be in. Yeah, so. I'm sure like Nordstrom and stuff. Nordstrom, Anthropology. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good one. Even Target just for the vacuum. Yeah, I think yeah. would be a great, yeah. a great place. And this yeah, is like a Newton packaging Marcus. play and stuff like yeah. that we could yeah. work on. Yeah. No, so I, uh, like with, even with Durai, like we just did Williams-Sonoma. Mm-hmm. So that was like our first one. Cool. It's online only for now, but like that's been exciting to test. Yeah. And we also... Open Amazon up. Yeah. Okay. So I, which I didn't, you know, Kelsey was highly against it, but I started trying to get in there and I got too scared. I just, it's protection because you have to realize people see your ads, they see your content, they go onto Amazon and then they search for Island Co. Mm -hmm. And your competitors are popping up right now. Yeah. And they trust buying it through Amazon. On Amazon, surprisingly. Yeah. Or Um, at least the cheap. Cheap stuff. Yeah, that the knockoffs like, or look like similar. You yeah. Know? So the, they're using your keywords. Your your yep. you know. So I it it blew my mind because I thought it was going to cannibalize our site sales, and it did not. It didn't. It okay. just added on top. It's just a whole nother stream of revenue. Yeah, and yeah. and if you can you can design your page well and make it look aesthetically like your brand and make it look good, you know, you can present your product to your standards and use. You I know. struggle with Amazon, though, because. It just wasn't very like user friendly for me, and it was very confusing. So I oh, might yeah. need to hire that. Yeah, out. <laughs> definitely hired it out. We hired it out. Yeah, it's it, even hiring Alicia as our CEO for Derai. She's ex Amazon, so she worked at Amazon. Oh, okay, and you know, and she was ex. Info. Yeah, she was ex Walmart too. So she has like deep e commerce yeah, experience. Okay. but the even having her in place, we still hired out that mm-hmm. as a agency resource. Yeah. Amazon is a whole nother beast. And I remember we we got into kind of a, a copyright infringement. There mm-hmm. was a company on Amazon that had our name and similar logos, similar fonts. So I had to we had to get an attorney involved and we mm-hmm. had to have them remove their stuff and I had to buy out some of their inventory and then I was all ready to go and then I just didn't pull the trigger. So we're still not on Amazon. Um, I, I think, think it's a good, I, it's, it's an easy, it's, it's like 
yes, there's a, a lot of challenges to get on it and stuff. And, yeah. you know, thankfully I was able to rely on Katie, our director of operations mm-hmm. to handle all the technical stuff. And, and then uh, Alicia managed the agency and then Alexa did the brand page and yeah, stuff like that. Cause it was way too overwhelming there's when a lot. I tried on my own. It was just one of those things that I'm like, it was so worth happen. it. You know, yeah. I'd say it takes like two to three months mm-hmm. by that time. And once it's up and running now, it's just making sure there's inventory yeah. there and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think our vacuum would do really well on mm-hmm. Amazon. That was my initial thought. Was oh, definitely. Just the vacuum. Because our bags are a little higher price point, And mm-hmm. I don't know. A lot of people, no one's really searching for like a super high end diaper bag on Amazon. But if they're searching for Island Co., but they they'll are. buy it on yeah. Amazon. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we learned because it's like we, we held our held our ground with our price point too because uh-huh, no one's going to buy a $75 bath mat either yeah. when there's, you know, a blank one that's cheaper. Right. But they will because they wanted to ride home yep. and same and with Island Co. And that's about branding. Like that's why yeah. branding is so important. And yeah. I was, you know, I was worried about that for a long time, like getting knocked off and ripped off. But like people are loyal to brands that bring them value. And yeah. I think that's one thing that like I did carry over from my my service-based business is that I brought value to all these moms. And I know what that did as far as my clientele. Mm-hmm. And if Isla & Co. can bring value outside of a functional bag, like if our content brings value, if, you know, if, if we're providing information that moms want to read and can relate to, like that's going to keep our customers and they're going to oh, yeah. keep coming back to us because they see value in us. Not just because we have a bag that they like, like you can, you can buy bags anywhere, mm-hmm. but like if you bring value to that person and community, like that's where branding really can capture an mm-hmm. audience and keep those lifetime customers. Especially something that people are carrying around every day yes. and that people want <laughs> to see that it's Isla and Co and yep. stuff like that. Like there's something to that and they know it's more authentic. Yep. Totally. So, I mean, I, it's, I used to be like anti-Amazon, but I think yeah. I've realized this last year it's lower hanging fruit than I thought. Well, I'll have and, to pick your brain because yeah. it was very overwhelming to me. And yeah, I mean, I know even when you have a patent, sometimes it's hard to protect against yeah. knockoffs. And so mm-hmm. I was I was worried about that. But And Amazon does provide, especially when you're in it and on it and, and a customer, they provide good resources okay. that specifically help you on the good. IP side of, side of things. Future hiring needs, what are you going to do to to expand outward and, and, you know, make 2024 better or 2023 better? Um, like you've got customer service, you've outsourced marketing, you have yeah. us to help with product. You I know. brought on a fractional CFO. That's great. Yep. That has really helped. Yeah. My marketing team is like, they're not in-house, but they're very involved and very That's like always proactive very important. about our company. Yeah. So, I mean, I... There's things that I, I finally just hired out all these things, right? So I'm kind of coming off this high of like, oh, I feel like I don't have a ton of stuff to do. This is great. Mm -hmm. But I do think there's things that still just aren't my specialty, like really predicting inventory, really predicting growth. Mm -hmm. Um, You need a director of operations. Yes. Yep. So there's things that are on the list. I've toyed around with our own warehouse, but I don't know. I'm kind of up in the air. Sometimes I think sticking with uh, 3PL might be the best option yeah. for us. There's the warehouse is a lot to take on. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. lot more employees, full-time employees, W-2 yeah. employees. So yeah, there's some ideas I have, but I think sourcing would be probably our next most important hire that mm-hmm. like could help us really dial that in. Because I, I just, 
I mean, obviously we had the inflation and the the cost of importing just skyrocket our first two years, but that really hurt us keeping up with demand and inventory. But I think now that it's come down a lot, we can really start to scale. And if we can keep stuff in stock, like... Mm-hmm. 2023 will be a huge year. Mm -hmm. And making sure you're ordering more than you think you Mm -hmm. need. I mean, it's funny. We would, I always thought I was ordering more than we needed. We, our last order that came in September, I'm like, okay, this will last us six or seven months. And I think it lasted us like 27 days. Yeah, that's crazy. So if you, if you have it, it will sell. Oh yeah. We know how to sell it. If we can keep it in stock. And even this Black Friday, like we did record numbers, but we were almost completely out of stock of all our mini bags, which are our top yeah. sellers. So mm-hmm. I'm like, man, if we had those in stock, like yeah. different ball game. And now you have uh, uh, inventory financing resources. Yep. So Wayflyer. Yep. Wayflyers helped us out a lot. They've been great. We use them too. Yeah. We, we had a couple other options before. We took out a HELOC, mm-hmm. which we were using when interest rates were low, but now they've gone up a little bit. It's not our best option. So yeah, Wayflyer has been by far the lowest interest rate, super flexible, um, super easy to deal with. And yeah, it's made it so we can order much larger POs. And mm-hmm. I still think we're going to have some inventory issues, but we're growing and we're scaling. Yeah. So we're just going to try and stay on top of those. Yeah, order timeline. I mean, you placed a decent sized order a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And that'll, I mean, will that get you through Chinese New Year? It will get us through Chinese New Year, but I think starting a new PO after Chinese New Year will will have some downtime where we're out of our top sellers. Yeah, I think strategically, if we let um, basically get ahead of the factory before Chinese New Year and let them know what's coming, so mm-hmm. when they come back, they prioritize At you. Least they have an idea of hey, yeah. this PO's coming. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, um, okay, so let's talk about some takeaways because there's it's. I mean, this is a, this is interesting because it's always cool to talk to founders that have done different types of businesses and figured out one type of business and then transitioned to another type of business. So what are some of the, the, the things that you would tell other entrepreneurs or new entrepreneurs um, going into any type of business? Um, yeah, I've got a couple takeaways. I would say number one, like, ask around, like talk to as many people as you can who Mm -hmm. have been either in a similar situation or maybe just like a couple years ahead of you. Like, I feel like the entrepreneur community is just, once you are part of it, everyone is so eager to help each other out. And that's what's so great. There's, there's no like mentality that like competitiveness, it's like, Hey, there's room for everyone at the top. And Mm -hmm. I'm so willing to give you all these tips and tricks. And I reached out, you know, Steven was really helpful. Mm -hmm. Kelsey was really helpful. I just feel like everyone was so eager to be like, yeah, let me help you. So I would say if you're thinking about starting one or just early on, like find someone who has been there before you Mm -hmm. and pick their brain because you can learn so much from other entrepreneurs. And I'm part of like a women in business group. And I learned, even though we're all in different businesses and they're so like, they're not even close to being like relatable, some of them, but like you still can learn so much and get so many other contacts and the, you know, just the community is awesome. So take advantage of that. Um, I would say the second one, and this sometimes can be really hard as a new startup, but really focus on profitability early on. Yeah. Because 
I think it's really easy to kind of get caught up in, well, I want to grow and I want to scale and I'm just going to invest everything back into the business. But in the long run, that's not really sustainable and it's exhausting and burnout is real. And if you're not compensating yourself, like you're going to lose that drive. And Mm -hmm. I think there's a big difference between running a business and running a profitable business. And if you can focus on that early on, you'll be much happier like a couple years down the road because mm-hmm. that's harder to fix once you've gotten a certain to a certain point. So yeah, I would say if you can kind of marry sustainability, growth and profitability and kind of always be focusing on how to how to like get those three to work together early on, that's that would be a big takeaway. Yeah, top line is you know, especially talking with like private equity people and and you know, companies that are acquiring companies and stuff like that, especially in the consumer product space. At the end of the day, you know, a company that's, you know, does 50 million in revenue annually, but with like 7% bottom line, you know, a company that does a quarter of the revenue, but has a 25% bottom line, the yep. 20, the, the company with the huge bottom line is going to look yep. way better to anybody totally. that's looking at and it. And while growth is great, like you have to make sure it's sustainable and yeah. you have to make sure that you're not going to burn out and not feel like it's frustrating if you're working your butt off and not compensating yourself. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like there's a reason why so many businesses fail in their first couple years. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a big reason is People get too caught up on, well, I want to, I want to go big. I want my top line big, Mm -hmm. but like that doesn't, that doesn't, it's not sustainable. Yeah. How to, one of the most valuable things I learned is I did that, uh, Goldman Sachs 10,000 small business program. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of that? I haven't. It was really cool. It was free. It was an incredible resource. And I, I think the timing was good because it was like 2017 or Uh 16 timeframe for me. So it was like you know, I was still just a development agency and I hadn't started like really getting into the manufacturing and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, one of the biggest focuses of that whole program that I took away the most was, was how to understand the profit and loss statements mm-hmm. and how to, how to, you know, organize them for different types of businesses, how to review them every month. And like, you know, so now it's like super valuable, especially when I'm looking at like portfolio companies and stuff like that to be able to pull up their monthly P&Ls and then have a look through it and then quickly figure out like what's going on here and little things could be tweaked in spending in specific areas, how it's organized, like even how you build your profit and loss statement out for a consumer product business around like accrual-based accounting and then taking your cost of goods and spreading it out, you know, and stuff like that. It'll change how you make decisions about your business on a day-by-day basis. And I feel like that's where I didn't get a lot of experience with that with my other businesses. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't as complicated. Mm -hmm. And with product-based business, man, that has been a big learning challenge for me. So like, I feel like there's a lot of things I can pick up on. And even one of my coaches, she's always like, you're getting your real world MBA. Like this is, you don't even, you don't need business school. Like you're learning it right here, right now. And there's so many things that just, they've been hard, but yeah, just understanding your numbers, understanding where money's going and where, what room you have to put towards something. Like I feel like last year, even up until last year, I was kind of like, not sure where everything was going. I was just still like scrambling. And now I'm like, if you ask me anything about my margins, I can tell you what percentage is going to what, Mm -hmm. like where everything's going, how much I'm compensating employees, myself. Like I just Mm -hmm. feel like I've got a system down that makes it so much easier to 
make decisions for the business. Yeah. Something that people definitely forget. Yeah. yeah. Or if they have too much profit, that's another thing too, where I've seen where it's like, I look at books and I'm like, you have so much excess capital, you should never have inventory issues or, you know, like you're drowning, you're super profitable. What are you going to replace yourself with? You can afford to hire two people right Right. now. That'll solve a lot of, you know, resource management. Maybe you can't afford to hire right now because that's, I feel like, a common excuse for Mm -hmm. people that holds people back. Like you have to look at it in the long run. Like what is is that going to open up for you Mm -hmm. to be able to grow? Like I know it's hard to think of, especially as a new business, like, oh, I, I'm scrambling just to be able to pay for inventory. How can I afford to pay for two customer service girls? Mm-hmm. But like once you open that up, it opens you up to more of the things that you're strong at and that mm-hmm. brings in value to the company. And yes. in the long run, you it, can definitely afford it. Especially hiring resources that end up adding more revenue because, totally. you know, like you have less stockouts or whatever or uh, a marketing resource. Yep. You're now posting two times a day on social, and that's going to bring more awareness. So it's like that was one of the greatest things I time. handed off. <laughs> yeah, social media. <laughs> Social's hard to keep up on. It's it's, it's like exhausting. it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to keep content fresh and constantly pumping out, especially with platforms like TikTok these days, yep. where it's like if you don't trend, do two a you're day not on or whatever, that trend too. Yeah, you don't it, hit that trend while it's trending. <laughs> yeah, and momentum dies quickly. Yep. you know where it's like you have to keep it going, and it's uh, like a founder just really can't do that with it's everything else like they have to focus on. Job. Like I yeah. found once I stepped away from that, I had more time to be creative with the kind of content mm-hmm. and the ideas that I wanted to do. So I'm still I'm still involved. I just don't do the daily posting, the daily responding, the yeah. I don't plan out all the, you know, the posts for the month. So mm-hmm. taking that off my shoulders was a big relief. And it's just cool to be at that point mm-hmm. in a business as yeah. an owner. So do you have any, you know, how long do you want to run this business? Are you going to run it forever and grow it forever? Are you going to, do you want to sell it one me. day? <laughs> you know, it's definitely, I, I've had an exit plan since day one. I feel mm-hmm. like that's one thing as a business owner is even early on, know your exit, know your, know your plan. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think one day we will sell. That is the goal. Um, depends on the day that you ask me. It depends on how right. soon, it, <laughs> soon it is, but I would say five to 10 years is kind of our end game. I have mm-hmm. a, I have a number that's in my head that I'm working towards. Yeah. So I kind way. of <laughs> reverse engineer everything, like know what you want to sell it for and then figure out how, how long it's going to take you and what your numbers need to be and what your profit needs to be and figure out how to make it happen. That's great. We'll finish on that. <laughs> Perfect. Right. So that was a great episode. Very happy that Nikki was able to come on. A lot of great takeaways, one of which that I can relate to, where as an entrepreneur, you want to do everything, and it's hard to start finding team members and delegating and growing your business, Uh, and it can be intimidating. But the thing that Nikki is starting to realize as well, I realized at a certain point, is that as you start hiring those skill sets that are above and beyond what you're actually capable of doing, it accelerates your ability to scale. And you start replacing yourselves on the things that not only you might not be great at, but you might not like doing it anyway. So you might as well find someone to fill that role and take over that responsibility so it's off your plate and will really help you grow. So the other point that I thought was valuable, but I also, of course, agree with is to ask around the entrepreneurial community because 
people are always willing to help, especially, you know, for her, she has a large customer base from her past company and her new company and also just resources that she's connected with. She's not afraid to reach out and ask for help. And people are always willing to share and help out. They want to help out fellow entrepreneurs because they've likely been in the same scenario that you've been in as a founder. And then another point that she made, which could be for some business owners and some not, you know, for me, it depends on which business I'm talking about. But she said to always have an exit plan, work backwards from that, figure out what is that time frame. If it's a business that you plan on growing and selling, have that in your mind. Think about that date. Think about that number and keep that there and pay attention to it and go back to it. Some businesses are lifestyle businesses that you don't have to exit one day or you don't want to and you want to run it forever. That's fine. You're not going to have an exit plan for that. But for me, the company that I founded, Durai Home, I have had an exit plan since day one. But my main businesses and my service businesses, I don't have an exit plan for. I don't have a reason to sell those. It's a resource to me that I use and invest in other companies and work with clients. And it's exciting to have all those projects going on. But for Durai Home, it's a direct-to-consumer brand. It's its own team. One day, there will be an opportunity where I can sell that business, and I will do it. And Nikki, the same thing. When she started that business, Island Co., she saw an exit opportunity down the road, and she focuses on that and keeps that in her mind as she grows the business and works backwards from that. So not a bad thing to have in your mind if that's the plan. And think it kind of helps you think bigger when you have a set number you want to hit. And then planning to get there and how you're going to get there financially. So uh, great points from Nikki, great conversation. It's always exciting for me to interview clients that I already have a relationship with, but to dive deeper into that relationship and, and get more granular about their experience and what they've gone through to build this business that we get to work on together. So I, I love this. This podcast has been awesome. Thanks for listening. Looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks. Check us out on LinkedIn, YouTube, all the podcast platforms, Instagram, wherever you're going to find us. And thanks for listening and watching. See you next time. 